Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Today is the deadline. If you purchase the hybrid proposal, the digital course for our owner architect agreement for small firms, which includes complete document templates ready for you to edit for your small firm, before the end of the day today, Friday, February 2nd, 2018, that's today if you're listening on the day this episode was released, we will, as a free bonus, also provide you with access to the construction management course and the Get Focused Productivity course. That's almost $600 worth of digital courses for only $197. But the offer ends tonight. At the stroke of midnight, visit entrearchitect.com slash hybrid. That's entrearchitect.com slash hybrid now. You're listening to Entree Architect Podcast, and this is episode 205. Welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark R. LePage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference every day, this podcast is for you. My goal here is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. About 10 years ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, inspired by a talk presented by a fellow architect here in Westchester County, New York, and our uh, local AIA chapter legal counsel at a chapter meeting, I 
I was inspired by their presentation and I set out to develop my own owner architect agreement, an agreement that works for my small residential architecture firm. It needed to be easy to understand by anybody who could read it. It needed to be friendly looking. By design, it needed to look friendly. And it needed to be an integral part of my firm's simple sales system. That means it needed to help me get from prospect to project as effectively and as efficiently and as quickly as possible. And after a decade of success and slow evolution, it's the best small firm agreement I can make it. And because I developed it and it's simple to edit, it continues to evolve as my firm grows. Today, I wanna to share with you the basic structure of my hybrid proposal for small firm architects. This week at Entree Architect Podcast, how to develop a powerful owner architect agreement for your architecture firm. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT, Gusto, FreshBooks, and Core by BQE Software. And I'm going to share more about these great companies a little bit later in the show, but before we get started, just take a quick note to go visit these companies and let them know that you appreciate them for supporting us here at the podcast, because when they support us, they're supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So before I get started here, I just, I just want to remind you that I'm an architect. I am not an attorney. The documents that I'm going to talk about here today, they work really well for my small firm, but I strongly advise you to have your attorney and your insurance company review all of your legal documents, including your proposals and your contract documents, even anything that you've developed from us, even if you've purchased the hybrid proposal and are using our, our document templates, have your attorney review them, ha have your insurance company look over them, make sure that they work for your firm, uh, they protect you, they protect your client. Uh, again, I'm not, an I'm not an attorney, I'm an architect. So, so and, and I did that. When I developed my um, documents for my firm, I did that and so should you. And so let's get into the documents themselves. But before we actually, before I get into the, to the four parts of the hybrid proposal, I want to talk about why it's called a hybrid proposal. It's called a hybrid proposal. And, and my goal when I, when I started putting this together was to make the process as efficient and as effective as possible. And in order to do that, um, I, I started by making the document look friendly. That was my first goal. That was, that was why I stopped using the other documents that I was using. They just look scary, right? They just, they're, they're overwhelming. And I wanted to create a document that looked friendly. I wanted it to be written using real everyday language that everybody can understand. Um, and, and I wanted to reduce the desire for a client to send the document to an attorney for review. I wanted the client to understand it themselves. I wanted them to read the agreement, read the language, and understand it, and not send it to an attorney, uh, because when it goes to an attorney, we all know what happens, it ends up getting changed and, and edited, and it goes back and forth, and now our client and I are, 
are, are, are butting heads before we even start. And so I wanted to eliminate that possibility. Absolutely, if, if a client wants to send the agreement to an attorney for review, by all means do that. But I wanted to create a document that they didn't need to, that we can just agree on, the, on, on what we're going to do and how we're going to do it and all of the, the, the things that, that a legal document and a legal agreement should have but it doesn't have to be written in a way that we don't really understand what we're, what we're, what we're reading. And so that was a really important part uh, of developing this. Um, and it's called a hybrid proposal for, for two reasons. And, you know, a hybrid is, is a combination, right? It's a combination of two things. And so the hybrid proposal is both a proposal and an agreement. Typically in the traditional sense, um, traditional process of, of getting an architecture project, architects will typically send out uh, a letter of proposal, which is basically just a letter that says, here's what we understand the project to be, and here's the basic parameters of how we work. Uh, do you want to work with us? Right? And that's not a legal document. It's just a, just a letter. Right? And then it has to be sent out, and it, it gets mailed or emailed, and the client has to, or the prospect has to review it and they have to look at it and they have to consider it. Uh, it gets put on the pile and they just decide they're not sure. And then if they do want to go ahead, then they contact the architect and the architect now has to prepare a legal agreement and they spend another couple hours putting together a legal agreement. They send that to the client or the prospect and they email that or they, or they mail that or however they do it. And now you have a second document that they have to make a decision on and they have to go through the process and they understand it and they have to go through it. Maybe they have to send it to their attorney and it goes back and forth. And I wanted to eliminate that two-step process. I wanted to create a document that was both my proposal and my agreement. That's why I called it the hybrid proposal. It's both a proposal and an agreement. When I send my hybrid proposal to one of my prospects, they read it, they understand what the, the scope is, they understand what my proposal is, and if they, if they want to proceed, they sign that document and they send that back to me and we get started. Done. One step, simple. We all understand what needs to be done. It doesn't have to take multiple steps to get. So I've, 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 I've made the process more efficient. I've made it more effective. I've made it part of my sales system, right? I've, sending this agreement out gets my sales system working better. So that was a goal of it, and that's why it's called hybrid proposal. The second reason is that later in the document's development, I mentioned before that there's been lots of evolution with this document. It's one of the reasons why I love having a document that I've created, because I can edit it anytime I want. It evolves as my firm grows. And as it grew, we developed a fee um, structure called a hybrid fee, which is both a flat fee, which is what a client always wants. The client always just wants a number, right? They just want a number. But every time I've ever developed a number up front, I've lost either the project or I've lost my shirt. I've never had a successful project with a flat fee. And you may have, you may work that way and it may be successful for you. But for me, I've always had to, to pad it enough to make sure I covered the things that the client hasn't told me. Uh, or it has to be low enough that I'm going to lose my money. I'm going to I'm going to uh, not have enough money to be profitable. And so, um, the hybrid proposal, the hybrid fee, is a flat fee and a percentage fee. The percentage fee is what I love. 
I, if I could work percentage on every project and many projects we do, um, I love working a percentage of construction costs because it flexes. I think it's the most fair and that's a debate we can have another day. If you want to have that debate with me, go to the Facebook group, post a question about that, challenge me to a debate and I would love to have that debate about a percentage fee. And I think it's the best fee for an architect. I think it's the most fair for everybody, but, but it, the owner doesn't always agree with me. And I know many of you don't agree with me. Um, so the hybrid fee allows me to do both. It allows me to give the client the flat fee that they're looking for and allows me to base it on a percentage of the, the cost of the project. And I'm going to explain how that works in a few minutes. So that's why I called it the hybrid proposal. It's both a proposal and an agreement and it's both a flat fee and a percentage fee. So let's, uh, let's get into the documents here. Um, the documents, there's four parts to my hybrid proposal uh, package. There's the cover letter. There's the proposal itself. There are the terms and conditions. And I've developed a reference sheet that I want to talk to you about. And so those are the four parts that I'm going to go through uh, each one step by step. I'm going to explain uh, how it works and why I did the things I did. So hang on and I'm going to start with the cover letter. Okay, the cover letter. I'm, I'm actually looking at these documents as I record, so that's why I'm sort of cutting in and out here. So um, the cover letter I put together, it's just a simple letter. It has my, my logo up at the top, has my, my return address at the bottom, and all the stuff that a typical letterhead has. But the, the, the intent of this letter is to explain to them um, that I understand what they want me to do and give them a call to action on what to do next, a very clear uh, call to action on what to do next. And so um, uh, the, the reference is proposal for architectural services. And then the first sentence is basically just saying, it's a pleasure meeting you on the date, uh, a meeting, pleasure meeting with whomever I've met, right? And this, all these forms are set up in a way that I can get a proposal done, a complete proposal, in the mail, in the email, uh, with less than 15 minutes. Boom, done, right? And I did that by putting together these templates that that have form fields in them. So all the words are already written. I just fill in the things that change. And so it's the same proposal that I sent to every client that I've ever sent, right? And, it, and obviously it evolves, like I said. But there's form fields on this. So the first sentence basically has a couple of blanks. It has a place for the person's name and it has a place uh, um, for the, the address of where we met and, um, the, what they want to do. So, and maybe it's an additions and alterations to, a to your home at the location of where the home is. Right. So that's what that first sentence basically says. It's like, yeah, I met with you and here's where we met and this is why we met. And then the second part says that, it, it explains what's enclosed. So it's in, enclosed as the proposal for architectural services and includes a brief description of the project as we discussed at our meeting prior to five cat studio preparing five cat studio is the name of my architecture firm uh, if you hear me reference that uh, prior to five cat studio preparing a schematic design we'll work with you through an in-depth information gathering phase and prepare a program statement that will more thoroughly describe the project and, and the reason i say that is because in our proposal which is going to be the next section i go over in the proposal there's a description 
And I don't want them to get hung up on the idea that maybe that, that description may change. And so right up front, I say, don't worry about the description. We can change that, right? We're going to get into a more in-depth information gathering phase. Uh, and we're going to talk about, a, we're going to prepare a program statement that, that, that identifies exactly what you want to do. So I don't want them to get hung up. Again, that's, that's, that's key on getting this process quickly executed, right? That's my goal is to get the contract signed so I can get started right? That's what the goal of this whole package is, is to get the job. And so that's what that is. It's, it's managing expectations. The next sentence talks about upon your approval of the enclosed documents, we'll ask you to, this is my call to action. I'll ask you to sign the proposal, initial the terms and conditions because the, the terms and conditions pages has a little uh, line at the bottom where we ask them to initial them. So, so they can't ever say, oh, I never read that. It's right there with the initials. Um, so initial the terms and conditions and return the original documents with your initial payment made out to my firm and the name of my firm. And then I explain that copies of these additional uh, uh, copies of these documents will be included in your project organizer binder, which is a, a binder that we put together for every client. And then I wrap up the letter with a standard final sentence. If you have any questions before we meet again, please call or email. We look forward to meeting you. And then I sign it. Uh, and that's it. That's, that's the, the cover letter. And, and again, the cover letter is to manage some expectations and give them the call to action. So however you need to do that, however you need to write your letter, you need to explain what's in the package and what you want them to do next right? Explain what you want them to do next. It's so important that you say, okay, I want you to sign the document. I want you to initial the terms and conditions. I want you to put together a check for me payable to, to this company and mail it to me. That's the call to action. That's what you want them to do. Because if you don't tell them to do that, and yes, it's obvious in the proposal, it's obvious in the terms and conditions that that's what you want them to do, but they may not do it. And then what if they just send back the signed proposal and no check and no terms and conditions? What happens? Another delay, right? Another step. Every time there's a delay, every day that goes forward is a chance they may change their mind. They may have a priority shift. I've talked about the inevitable priority shift before on the podcast and in the blog. Go to entrearchitect.com slash search and search inevitable priority shift. Every project has one and you need to beat it. And so your, your job in this first step of this process of architecture is to get the job and get it as fast as you can. If this is a job that you want, you want them to sign a document as fast as you can. So whatever you need to do, that's your goal. And so the cover letter needs to be very clear, very concise, give them a call to action. So that's, that's the cover letter. That's the first part of the proposal of the four part uh, proposal package. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to our friendly platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, RCAT, Gusto, FreshBooks, and Core by BQE Software. You know, your boss asks you to put together the CAD details for your firm's next project. Think about that. What's your next step? your boss. They ask you to put together CAD details. What's your next step? Is it 
using your basic internet search, hitting Google, right? Only to, to find outdated or incompatible details. Grabbing the details from your last project and hoping they fit, is that what you do? Well, there's an easier, there's a faster, less stressful way to get the information you need. RCAT, RCAT.com, A-R-C-A-T.com. RCAT has over 15,000, 15,000 CAD details based on real manufacturers' products. They're all up to date and a powerful search engine to find the one you need quickly. Best of all, it's free. It's free. You don't even have to register. They don't even want your email address. They want you to just go and get the CAD, right? Just go to rcat.com, click the big CAD button right there on the homepage and start downloading all the CAD details you need. rcat.com and let them know that I sent you, Entree Architect sent you. Payroll and benefits. You love them? No, they're hard especially when you're a small business. You don't have the time to be an expert in things like taxes and regulations, right? We're all in that mode right now with taxes and regulations. The old school payroll providers that some of us are using, they just, they're not built for the way that we work today. Gusto, our friends at Gusto, they're making payroll and benefits and, and human resources easy for us small businesses. Modern technologies, they do all the heavy lifting, so it's easy for us to get it right. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service for your team. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners here at Entree Architect Podcast exclusive limited time deal, right? Sign up today and you'll get three months free, three months. That's long enough to figure this thing out, right? Three months free once you run just one payroll. Just go to entrearchitect.com slash gusto, G-U-S-T-O, and claim your free three months of payroll processing right now. Entrearchitect.com slash gusto. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team, buy project, and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. They do everything. My favorite feature in FreshBooks is the automated invoice reminders. I love this. I think that sending invoices and getting paid is one of the biggest barriers to our success as an entrepreneur architect. If we're not sending invoices, we're not getting paid. FreshBooks makes it easy to send out invoices and get paid online with the click of a button. And when your client doesn't pay you on time, FreshBooks will send them a friendly email reminder through a simple system that you have full control of. I love this. Sign up for a free 30-day unrestricted trial and get paid faster. Get the simplest way to be more productive, to get organized, and most importantly, like I said, get paid faster. Visit entrearchitect.com slash freshbooks to access FreshBooks for free for 30 days and be sure to enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. One of the most often requested resources here at the Entree Architect community is project management software. The whole, how do we manage our projects? How do we keep our projects and our people organized while we grow as entrepreneur architects? Today's podcast is sponsored by BQE Software, the makers of the award-winning BQE Core. It's their new product. Core puts project management, business intelligence, billing, 
time and expense tracking and accounting together in one intuitive, powerful platform. It's a beautiful system. I've seen it work. There's a demonstration uh, on, our, on our website. You should go check it out. With its cloud platform and their mobile app, Core lets you manage people, projects, and profits from anywhere in the world. Get your fully functional 15-day trial of Core by going to entrearchitect.com slash BQE. That's entrearchitect.com slash BQE. Go check it out right now. RCAT, Gusto, FreshBooks, and Core by BQE Software. Go visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. The next section is the proposal itself. And the proposal is done as two, uh, as it's six pages long and it's written as, as very, very friendly looking. It's designed to be, uh, to be a friendly looking document. It's not as designed to look like a legal document. It's designed to look like the anti-legal document. So however you need to do that to make it look pretty, use your skills as a designer. Desi you can make it look pretty. It doesn't have to be ugly and scary looking to be legally binding, right? It's the words that make it legally binding and the signatures that make it legally binding. And so make it beautiful. And so my intent with the proposal section is to, is to make it pretty looking and make it very clear. So it's very easily understood. This is written in very, uh, everyday language, like you and I talking, right? That's, that's the intent. And so the font is a, is a 12 point font. The, the, my logo is there. Um, the word proposal and a big giant letters up top. It's very clear what it is. It's the proposal. So when I call them and say, hey, did you look at the proposal? They, they don't have to say, well, which document is the proposal? It's clear. The one that says proposal on top is the proposal, right? And so, and, and my contact information is right up front with the phone numbers and the emails and the websites. It's all there very easily and understood. The first page of the proposal, and again, I, I said it was six pages long. The first page very clearly, and again, form fields for everything. Anything that's, that is, is written in every proposal, which again, is a great reason for a target market. Again, you've heard me talk about tar target markets. If you're, if you're working with the same type of client, working on the same type of projects, your proposal can be very, very consistent. You can put together a standard document that you send to every single prospect because every single prospect is the same prospect, right? If it's a target market, then you can focus on just getting to that market. So you can develop all your systems and your documents to target that market. So you don't have to update it. If you know one day you're going after an addition for a residence, the next day you're going after a, 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 a dental office, and the next day you're going after a four-story office building, those are all completely different documents that you're going to send, right? Completely different documents. If you want to be more efficient, if you want to make more money, you need to find a target market and you need to focus all your systems on that market. So when you have a proposal, you can write that proposal to the same person over and over and over again, right? And all you need to do is change the names and the addresses. So that's what it is. All of the, the standard information is there written and locked in 
and the things that change like the project number and the proposal date and the client's name and the client's contact information and the project name and the project location and the project description. Those, those things change, so those things are form fields. So I can very rapidly go through each form field, fill them out, hit print, done, right? And so the first page has all that stuff. It has The first page is the project number and the proposal date and the client's name and the project name and the project location and the project description. Now this is what I talked about before in the cover letter. This is where you're going to write the project description. And what the project description is, is basically a reflection of exactly what the client told you they wanted at your initial meeting. When you meet with them, you're going to ask them what they want and you're going to make notes. And then on your proposal, you're going to write down exactly what they said. What this does is say, Mr. and Mrs. Client, prospect, um, I understood what you said. I listened to what you said. And here's what you said that you wanted. And so the project description is what they say they want, right? And and the letter says, the, the cover letter reminds them that this can change. So don't worry about it not being perfectly accurate. All you're doing is confirming that you've understood what they said at the meeting. So that's the first page. The second page now gets into the different phases of architecture, right? I break out um, the, my services into two different services, pre-designed services and basic architectural services. Another great thing about writing my own document is I can create any type of process I want. I can create any type of structure I want. I don't have to follow the legal agreement that can't be changed. I can change it any way I want. So I've taken my existing conditions survey measuring my 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 client's projects and I've made it a pre-design service and I get compensated additionally for it. So I've called it pre-design services and within pre-design services it's called the existing conditions survey. I've given it a name, the ECS, the existing conditions service. What that does is that's me and my firm, my my team going into their house, measuring up the the every inch of the house, the entire house and documenting it and coming back and putting it on CAD in my case. Maybe it's BIM in your case. I haven't gotten there yet. I know I've talked about moving to BIM. It's a whole other story, still working on it. Um, the And that's what existing conditions survey is. And I get paid additionally for it. And I'm gonna talk about compensation down in, uh, a little bit at the bottom of this, this section of the proposal. And then I go through, the next part is basic architectural services. Just like everybody else, we go through schematic design, design development, construction documents, bidding, and construction administration. And so basically each one of those sections in real plain language, I talk about what each one is. The programming, schematic design, um, and what's really important in this section, because this is, you're explaining the, the, the process here. You're very clearly explaining the process that you as an architect are going to go through to execute their project, right? That's what this proposal is. It's explaining to them what they're going to get, right? And how they're going to get it. It's not all the, the legal stuff, the, the terms and conditions, which is coming in the next section. Um, that sort of gets much more legal, um, more of the legal terms. The proposal really is just describing our process in depth. And I talk about limits. I talk, I set a lot of limits in here. So it's really clear on what we're doing and, and how many uh, meetings I have and how many revisions you're going to get. 
And why I do that, I, I limit them to specific revisions. So there is a limit. And I don't often enforce those limits. I very often will just do what we need to do to get the project done. But when you find a client, and I'm sure you have, that takes advantage of your time and your efforts and your design skills and goes through five, six, seven, eight schemes with four, five, or six revisions each, you can pull out your proposal and say, I'm happy to do these, but now it's additional service because it's limited to three revisions, right? And it's written in my proposal, very clearly in the proposal, 12-point type. There's no argument. They understand it. They understand it going forward. And so I explain schematic design. I explain design development. And it's all basically what we all do. Um, something that's interesting is that I also start setting up the fact that uh, that we do it, we offer additional services. So in design development, um, we talk about the client selecting hardware and plumbing fixtures and appliances and kitchen cabinets and tile and stone and lighting fixtures. That's the client's responsibility in my agreement, right? I've written the agreement, so that's what I've decided. But we also offer all those services as additional services. So a lot of clients now will hire us to do that and we get paid up and above beyond our base architectural service. And so you can you can add those pieces into your uh, document. The third phase is construction documents, like many of us, construction documents. Um, construction documents talks about the details and the code information and all the other things. Um, and then fourth phase is bidding and permitting. And so, uh, and you know, a, a lot often, Architects will use different language. I know a lot of the, the bigger documents, the legal documents call these phases different things. I call it bidding and permitting because that's what we do during that phase at, in our firm. We we put together the, help the, the owner get bids and we help them get the permit, right? And so it describes the process for doing that. And then the fifth phase, if you listen to last week's episode at Entree Architect Podcast, we provide construction administration. And in our proposal, it's not an option. It talks about how we do our work as a as a construction administrator during construction, that we're part of the process. It's not called out as a separate piece. It's not called out as an option. It's it's It looks just like all the other phases. It's the final phase of architecture, and we do it. And so it's part of our fee. It's it's not called out. Um, and so it's, it's a separate, uh, it's not a separate phase. It is a separate, it's the fifth phase. It's not, it's not highlighted as an option, as many of us do. Don't make it an option and they won't opt out, okay? So the next section of the proposal is compensation. So now it starts off by, you know, in the very beginning, we talked about the description and then we talked about the different phases of, of what we do, all written in really uh, clear language. Now, the next question on the client's mind is how much am I gonna pay for all this, right? And so the next section, the next part of the proposal section is compensation. So we take an initial payment up front and we hold it as a credit until the final payment. Some of you may already do that. Um, then there's a section for compensation for pre-designed services. So that existing conditions survey that we talked about doing, we get paid per square foot for that of measured space. So we measure the building. We provide them an, an, an area calculation. We multiply it by the amount we get paid per square foot. 
done. And we, and we send them a bill. Before we even started designing, we're sending them a bill for work that we've done uh, to date. And so compensation for pre-design services and then a compensation for architect, basic architectural services. And this is where the hybrid fee comes in. The hybrid for this, what the language here says, compensation for basic architectural services shall be a stipulated sum fee. Bing, 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 that's what they want, right? Stipulated sum fee per the attached compensation schedule, right? So I'm not writing out stipulated sum fee of whatever the fee is gonna be. It's as per the construction, uh, uh, the, the attached compensation schedule. And on the proposal, the next page is a schedule. And on, there's two columns. One column is called construction budget, and the other column is compensation for basic architectural services. So this is where my percentage comes in, right? And so um, if, you, if you, and it, the construction budget is listed in, in increments of, uh, starts at $100,000 construction budget, and it says up to $100,000. So I have a minimum, right? So I will only, we'll work on any project but we're going to get paid for anything up to $100,000. And our architectural service fee for that is for our firm is 12%. So um, we this schedule calls out 12% already written out. So next to the up to $100,000 says $12,000. Then the next line says up to $125,000 and it's 12% of that up to 150,000 and it's 20, 12% of that. And it goes all the way um, to a million dollars, up to a million dollars. And that's what I use for projects that are under a million dollars. If I interview with a client that's more than a million dollars, and then often that's a different proposal. Um, but for the, the projects of our target market are typically under a million dollars for the construction budget. And so all of our possible fees in $25,000 construction budget increments are listed. They're pre-listed there. So the client can go and say, well, I imagine our project to be um, a $100,000 project. So it's very clear my fee is going to be $12,000 to the architect, right? And they can go down the list and they can say, okay, the $550,000 is whatever the, the schedule says. Really, really clear, right? And then it says, um, and then... So that's the stipulated sum fee per the attached compensation schedule. So they just look at the schedule and they can determine what the potential fee is. And then what happens is that our compensation is broken out into the different phases, right? And so we bill per phase. But what happens with the, with the hybrid fee is that we, um, we work through schematic design so the first phase, first phase, we're getting that initial payment, and then we work through schematic design. We have uh, we put together an estimate for the for the cost of the project, a budget estimate based on square footage, and all the language is in the proposal. And we have a third party general contractor also put together a fee uh, estimate, not a fee, a construction cost estimate after schematic design. Right. So we haven't locked in the fee yet. What happens is that we lock in the fee after schematic design, and that's the trick. Now, after schematic design, we know what the scope is. We know what the budget is. So now we have a something, we have a project that we can base our stipulated sum fee on now, right? Which, which our stipulated sum fee is based on the percentages 
just just so there's a number there so we can just determine it so it's very easy for the client to understand it that's why we do it with a schedule make it easy for them to understand and they'll go forward right if they don't understand it you know that's the that's one of the downsides of a percentage they don't understand it and so they don't they want to go ahead with it if they understand it and it's really clear in hybrid proposal that you know if it's a hundred thousand dollar project it's right there on the schedule. If it's a $500,000 project, it's right there on the schedule. And so we work through schematic design. We have a contractor prepare an estimate for us. So a third party independent estimate of schematic design. We all agree that this is the scope. We agree that this is the budget. And now with a real scope and a real budget for a schematic design, we lock in the fee. Right. And now I'm comfortable giving them a stipulated sum and working to that stipulated sum through the rest of the project. And yes, the project may fluctuate. The bids may come in higher. The bids bids may come in lower, but now it's a stipulated sum. It's converted. It's not converted. It is a stipulated sum. So I'm going to do whatever the project is. If it comes in higher, I, I lose. If I come in lower, I don't lose. Right. I win. And it's part of the risk of, and, and the proposal, the hybrid proposal is not perfect. It's the best thing that I've come up with so far. Uh, far from perfect, right? There are weaknesses in it, but it works. It works really, really well. And so that's how we do uh, that. If if the scope changes, then the so, say the client wants to change the the, um, the the scope of the project after we've locked in a fee. Now we put send them a design change order and say no problem. We're going to change the design and we're going to uh, adjust the fee based on the change of the design and, the, and the, the adjustment to the budget for that. And so, yes, it's flexible if the client makes the change. If the cost changes just from the market conditions, we've, we've locked in and have committed to a, to a stipulated sum. And so that's how it works. And it works really well. People understand it. People, people trust it because it's understandable and it's clear. And so that's how our, our fee works. Uh, and that's the proposal section of the, uh, of the document. The next section is the terms and conditions. The terms and conditions are on two pages and that's intentional because I want to keep the document as, 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 uh, as I don't want them to be overwhelmed by it. Right. And so this, this text is much smaller. This is where all the legal terms and conditions are. Um, but again, it's still written in very clear easy to understand language, but it talks about our, our compensation terms. It has all of our additional services. Our master planning services are additional. Our construction management services are additional. Um, we offer construction management on select projects. Actually, um, I mentioned in the beginning, I'll mention it at the end again in this episode. If you, uh, if you purchase the hybrid proposal course, which has all of these documents as templates ready to edit, um, we're going to, if you order them today on Friday, the 2nd of February, 2018, uh, that's the deadline. They've been available all week. But if you order them by the end of the day today, we're going to give you the, the construction management um, course that also includes documents, the templates for the construction management agreement that, that ties into this hybrid proposal. It's like the second part of the hybrid proposal for construction management and the Get Focused course uh, the productivity course, so you can so you can get all this stuff done. That also is going to be for free. So all, all three courses, 
for the price of just the hybrid proposal course. And I'm going to give you more details at the end. But construction management services is an additional service that's that's described in our terms and conditions. Uh, redesigned to meet project budget costs. So if the client decides or the 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 uh, the bids come in too high and it's not what they wanted it to be, they want us to redesign it, it's really clear that we'll happily design it, but we're going to get paid for it. Uh, public hearings and municipal filings, interior design services. So that goes back to my design development in, uh, description in the proposal, right? We can do, all, uh, I, we call it interior design services. We can pick tile, we can pick kitchen cabinets, we can pick appliances, we can do all of this stuff for them, and it's additional. Built-in woodwork, uh, purchasing through the office of the architect. If the client wants us to not only select fixtures and finishes, but they want us to manage the purchasing of that, happily we'll get paid for that. 3D modeling, any kind of engineering, coordination of consultants. This section, coordination of consultants and or clients' work. That's one of those revisions I made when a client wanted to do half the project, right? If I'm going to be coordinating the client, I'm going to get paid additional for it. And that's the benefit of having a custom document. You can do that. Um, and then the, it talks about the fees for additional services. We actually do, uh, in the agreement, we call out hourly uh, fees for additional services. But, you know, we can change that upon on, upon request. We can, we can put together a stipulated sum if it works. We can do a percentage. Um, but those things, we also call out reimbursable expenses like printing and plotting and travel mileage. And then we have a, a section in the terms and conditions called clients responsibilities. So they're re responsible for the project budget, uh, property surveys. They need to tell us who the project representative is if it's not going to be them. Uh, they're responsible for the cost estimates. If they wanna have the project actually estimated by a cost estimator, they can do that. Selection of qualified contractors. Qualified contractors, very important. The language in the document says that the client has, they can't, you know, hire their Uncle Joe, right? And then base our fee on, on Uncle Joe's et estimate. They need to be a qualified contractor. The language is in, in our agreement. Um, and then we talk about schedule and the ownership of documents. Who owns them? We own them, right? Copy Notice of copyrights in there. And we have a section on publicity. So now we don't have to go back and ask permission uh, which we do anyway, but but the, legally we have the right to take photographs of every project that gets signed with this agreement and we can publicize it in magazines and websites and any other marketing material. Um, we can do that per our agreement. Then we go through insurance and indemnity and limitations and all the things that other agreements have. Uh, dispute resolution, we talk about mediation first and then arbitration. And we also call out that those things are going to happen in the county that we reside. So if we're not, if we're working on a project in Louisiana and we end up in a dispute, you know, all of the arbitration and mediation would happen here in New York. We don't have to travel for that unless they change that, you know, they can change it before they sign it, but that's all thought about and it's, and it's in, in here. Um, and then we have miscellaneous provisions. So an architect's representative, that means one of my project managers can take this project and be the representative. I'm allowed to do that. Uh, approved project scope, talks about the construction construction budget. There's definitions of all this stuff. Uh, certification of construction documents, that things need to be signed and approved before we go forward. There's a termination clause. They can, they can terminate, we can terminate. 
Um, and then uh, method and means of construction is the responsibility of the contractor. Storage of materials. We're not responsible for uh, mold or asbestos. We're not uh, responsible for identifying any of that stuff. Um, and that's what the terms and conditions are. It all fits on two pages. We ask the client to uh, initial it at the bottom right corner. And so that that shows that they've understood it and they've read it and it's very, very clear. And so that's the third section of our hybrid, hybrid, hybrid proposal. The fourth section is really quick. It's called references. It's our client reference sheet, right? We all send clients a client's reference sheet. Again, this is a standard document that I don't even have to figure it out. I've already gotten permission by these clients. The, it's a list of clients and their name and the city and state in which the project is included. So now when I send this, my prospect can say, oh yeah, here are some projects that are in the town that I live. So I can call these people as their phone number and the actual person's name of who they should call. And this is my favorite part of it. I have a code system next to the name of the project. There are, there's a T, an M, a K, or a CM. And I could add any of those letters next to the name and it's all identified in the bottom with those things. T is traditional style, M is modern style, K is includes a, condition, uh, a kitchen, and CM is construction management services. So if a client has a modern kitchen and they want us to work construction management, they can find the client on my list that says MKCM. And they can call that person and say, hey, I wanna do a, a modern kitchen and then we want them to do construction management. And you're talking to somebody who just went through that process. It's a great way to very quickly identify, sort of match up the right reference with the right prospect, right? Because that's gonna get them to sign the document faster, right? So everything you're thinking about should be in terms of this. Make it look beautiful, make it, make it efficient, make it, um, make it effective, make it clear, make it simple, Make it so simple that they they completely understand it. They have no questions. And it's either you are right for the project or you're not right for the project. It ends up being that question. It's not about the, the fees and it's not about the process because it's all very clear and understandable in this document. And so that's the four sections of the hybrid proposal, the cover letter, the proposal, the terms and conditions, and our reference sheet, all of that stuff is put together. Um, if you want to order the hybrid proposal course, it gets really, really deep into each one of these. It's a video course. I actually show you the documents on the video, step-by-step, step, get into all the details and the reasons why I made the decisions for each piece of these, because I can only, you know, the, the podcast is already getting long here. Um, I go much deeper in the course and it includes the uh, document templates that, that are sitting there ready for you to edit and ready for you to use. Uh, you can have your attorney review them. You can have your insurance company review them and you can get to work and go make some more money um, and get your projects faster and, and have really, really happy clients because they understand the process. So I hope you enjoyed this description of the hybrid proposal. If you have any questions, I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. You can email me at mark at entrearchitect.com. I'm happy to answer any questions you have about this or anything I ever present here at the Entree Architect podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. 
you like this episode, go share it with a friend. I think there are many, many people that you might be able to share this one with. The hybrid proposal, everybody needs a good proposal that'll get them projects done, uh, projects um, on their boards faster. This is entrearchitect.com slash episode 205. Go, go share that link with all your friends. And if you wanna purchase the hybrid proposal, Today is the last day to get the bonuses. The bonuses are the construction management course. The construction management course talks about how I can double my fee on every project that I offer construction management services on. My construction management service is a complete additional service to my architectural services, and it's more than my fee for architecture. And so I more than double my fee every time I do that. The construction management course talks all about how we do our construction management as an advisor, we're not building the project, we're advising, we're sort of managing the process. Um, and we include the document templates in that document as well. The hybrid proposal document is an addendum to the hybrid proposal document. And so it's like the second part of it. We're gonna give you that if you order it today. Um, that's $197 if you or purchase it on, on its own. And we're also going to give you the, the Get Focused Productivity course, which is a productivity course. It's a system to be more productive. So you can get all this stuff done. You can get these documents put together and you can get your architecture designed and you can have more time doing the things that you love to do. The Get Focused course shares all my tools and my system. Uh, the Get Focused course is also $197. We're gonna give it to you for free if you order the hybrid proposal today. So that's, that's more than $600 worth of uh, of products from Entree Architect for $197. Um, and the, again, the hybrid proposal course itself dives deep into each section of the documents that I just described, and it comes with complete document templates ready for you to edit for your architecture firm. So don't wait. This offer ends tonight. Uh, the hybrid proposal is also not going to be available after tonight. Um, there, we don't have a store on the, on the, on the site anymore. It's only available to members or if you order it today uh, by the end of the day. EntreeArchitect.com slash hybrid to learn more about the hybrid proposal and to purchase it. EntreeArchitect.com slash hybrid. Hey, thanks for listening. My name is Mark Arlapage and I am an entrepreneur architect. Hey, and I, I, I encourage you to build a better business. Sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, that's what I want you to do. That's why I offer the hybrid proposal because I want you to be successful. I want you to make more money. I want you to do uh, the architecture that you want to do. I want you to build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. 
dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.